guys, Jim Cox, and I'm here today with an interview with Arya Mazanik. Uh, she is CEO and founder of a tiny home builder called Wilderwise. And um, we connected on Facebook. Um, actually, when I saw one of the uh, ads for their tiny homes and uh, reached out and she's kind enough to uh, talk about the work that she does and some of the other issues around tiny homes. So Arya, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat today. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved with tiny homes and with turning this into like a, a business opportunity? Yeah, sure. So uh, my background um, is in sales. So that's the work I was doing before. It was all in environmental focused companies. Uh, I worked for Greenpeace. I worked for SolarCity, so doing solar sales. Um, I always wanted to find a career that gave me freedom to kind of be my own boss. And I had a vision to pursue some sort of entrepreneurial venture that uh, would allow me to help people and to also help the environment. And I was reaching the end of uh, my stay in Solar City, I kind of was at a point where I was looking for something new. And right around the same time, I kind of very randomly ran into this aerospace engineer uh, who had come up with the designs for this modular, sustainable two-story tiny house. Uh, he was really excited about it and really needed help to get it off the ground since you know his background was just very focused on engineering and needed someone to market it, to create the business plan, to find investors, to um, do all the strategies and hiring, all, all the rest of stuff that goes into uh, building a business. And so it was the perfect opportunity for me. I really loved the way that tiny houses can provide an alternative housing uh, option for people uh, for a number of reasons. It's, it's lower cost, so for affordability, a lot of people even that you know can afford a full house or could afford to buy property preferred having the mobility of a tiny house uh, allows them to live more minimal lifestyle more sustainable lifestyle um, there's a lot of freedom that goes into going tiny and i love the what it can provide for people i really believe that tiny houses can make an impact on uh, the environment in a positive way it uh, helps with a, a lifestyle shift for a lot of people um, helps to preserve, uh, you know, non-renewable land resources. You know, we're running out of space to build uh, big houses and for people to have a lot of property. And with the housing crisis and the climate crisis and, you know, the debt crisis that many people are facing right now and that society is facing as a whole, I really saw how uh, tiny houses and particularly the one that we're uh, designing and will be selling, um, can kind of fill the gap and provide the solution that people need uh, in a number of different ways. So I, you know, I, I started working on this. That was back in 2017. So I've been on it for more than four years now. Wow. It's a uh, highly engineered product. So there's been a lot of development up until this point. Uh, we're getting really close to finishing our first product um, and being able to start delivering to our pre-order customers. Um, so it's a really exciting time, and I uh, was really excited to get into the industry. A lot of really good people. Something I love about this industry is that 
there's a lot of like-minded people. Everyone's really interested in uh, pursuing kind of societal, big societal changes that will impact people and impact the environment. There's a camaraderie among even the competitors in the industry. So of course there's some competition as is expected, but there's a bit more of uh, kind of support of one another because there's a bigger movement that's beyond just the company itself. And so everyone kind of is coming together to make that movement possible. And it's really exciting to be a part of that. That's awesome. And I completely agree. I mean, it's, there's so many larger issues that, but this is something that kind of deals with a lot of these issues in a very uh, tangible and real way that, you know, doesn't take a lot to really support it, but can really make a huge impact in terms of people's lives, um, whether it's sustainability mm -hmm. or homelessness or the housing crisis. Um, right. So you're at the point of finishing your first units. Um, mm -hmm. How many units do you expect to be able to produce in a given year at this point, based on kind of what you've designed as far as a business model? Yeah, so at our current production level, we can build about two per month, but the manufacturing is designed to be scalable and the way that it's built is also designed to be high volume. So obviously two per month is not very high volume, but given that we're still approaching the point that we're operating off of revenue, uh, we're working at a, at a smaller level than what we know is possible and what our uh, eventual goal is. Um, so we're actually really focused right now on um, getting the right facility, hiring more people and being able to build the level that we know that we can. Um, so it really is, it's, uh, it's open-ended how many we can, we can build. It really is a matter of, um, bringing the money in, getting to our next milestone, and then expanding the facility to, it, it, you know, it, it's scalable on a, on a, um, on, on a, to a degree that we could build, you know, four per month, we could build 10 per month, we could build 50 per month, depending on um, how large our facility can be. So uh, I think the goal will be to be building, you know, thousand per year, once we, you know, in the next couple of years as we scale. So, we're uh where's you know, your baby facilities to get at? to that point <laughs> where's your facilities um at? yeah so our current facility is actually in bosnia in europe um which i know is an unusual business structure uh we we actually uh connected with some engineers a couple years ago that were really interested in getting involved and they had the right skill set and started working on helping us with uh, a lot of the designs and the reporting and the documentation and it came to the point where we needed to start building and to start bringing in inventory. And it just made sense for this group of uh, engineers to support us in that way because they already knew the product. They were excited about it. Their contracts with their previous employers were ending. And so they have set up the entire manufacturing plant hmm. in Bosnia. Uh, they're going to be continuing to work there. We, we do plan to uh, expand to a larger facility and then eventually offer the product in Europe into other markets. So that will be kind of the hub for the European and uh, the Middle East and Asian markets. And then once we get to the point where we, you know, are, are um, stable and providing uh, the homes at a, at a cost and, and working off of revenue, uh, we do plan to, to bring manufacturing to the U.S. as well. So that's a, um, something we're, we're, we're focusing on in the next couple of years. Gotcha. So that's curious. That's, uh, I didn't know that. So 
one of the issues with tiny homes, and I'm a big fan, but one of the issues is local ordinances that really are more designed to kind of cater to, you know, big time home builder, McMansion type, you know, to mentality, uh, which right. obviously is counter to kind of a minimalistic lifestyle. But, mm -hmm. you know, they actively try to impede people putting in tiny homes in in a lot of communities. As a matter of fact, I, I'm not sure that there are communities where they, you know, actively promote or, or allow them in the U.S. Mm -hmm. What are the, are the rules in Europe different around tiny homes? Um, I am not sure of the exact details on them, just because that's a market that we're not focusing on just yet. But from what I've heard, uh, especially from people I know in Australia, for instance, um, and I believe in Europe as well, the idea of smaller homes and smaller living spaces and, you know, camping full time, just alternative living uh, options are much more available outside the U.S. The U.S. is one of the most strict countries yeah. for what houses need to be, how big they need to be, you know, where the parameter, all these parameters that are set out uh, yeah. by local governments in the U.S. are much stricter. So, yeah, it's, and all uh, that's, it's, a lot it's, of that's part yeah. of Citizens United and obviously, you know, campaign donations from, you know, companies to local officials or national officials. So, yeah. Yeah, there's even a, there's an acronym that, you know, people in the industry use, which is NIMBY, not in my backyard. Mm -hmm. So there's, a, there's definitely a uh, groups of people that are opposed to it. But fortunately, there are lots and lots of people that are funding and advocating for tiny living all around the country. One of the biggest associations right now is the Tiny Home Industry Association, and they are actively working on making tiny houses legal and uh, livable spaces for people around the country. And they're working with members of the association to help them learn how to approach local governments and to petition for changes in the local laws. Good. And so that's actively happening. I've joined multiple webinars, webinars where uh, people from, you know, from east to west coast, every, you know, everywhere, there are people that are gathering groups and creating coalitions to make those changes. Uh, we've seen a number of them recently in California is one of the biggest markets, partly because the housing costs are so astronomically high in California. It's really needed and there's not a whole lot of space. There's a lot of people, not a lot of space and really high housing costs. So um, California as a state did uh, recently, I believe 2019, accepted the use of ADUs, accessory dwelling units on properties. So basically you can set up a smaller uh, living space in your backyard, but before that can really be utilized, uh, each local area, each city has to then approve it. So the state has approved it, but there's only a number of cities that have, and some of them are some of the larger cities. So that's kind of creating the framework for smaller cities and towns in California and even throughout the rest of the country to also take on those same laws. So we're looking at Los Angeles, San Diego, Fresno, um, uh, San Jose, some of the big ones that have now allowed not only ADUs on foundations, but also uh, tiny houses on wheels to be used legally um, on, on uh, personal properties. So it's a big step 
and uh, we'll awesome. keep advocating to make it possible in more places. Yeah, I have to check that out. Uh, check that out more. What um, <clears throat> now? You had mentioned that your particular unit. Um, one of the things that makes it unique is it's a a two story uh, yes. tiny home. I mean, can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah. So one of the biggest features of most tiny houses is that they have loft bedrooms. Mm -hmm. So uh, for some people, it's okay. Uh, it's about three to four feet of headroom. Yeah, the mattress like is kind that. of on the on the ground. Yeah. So a lot of them you can't sit up in bed. Some of them you can, but you can't stand up from bed. Um, and there's no privacy between where you're sleeping and the kitchen and bathroom and living space that's kind of on the lower level. So for a lot of people, it doesn't work. I mean, tiny houses are a great uh, alternative living space for uh, people who are retiring and they want to, you know, have more flexibility, want to lower their costs. And if you're in your 60s, 70s, crawling into bed just won't work. So yeah, there's yeah. some practical problems with that outside of just preference. Um, so what we've done is we've created this lifting roof mechanism, and this is made possible through the um, metal frame that we're using. Most tiny houses use uh, wooden frames. We're using a mostly aluminum uh, with some steel uh, frame, and we're using electric, electric actuators and gas springs uh, with little rollers on the inside of the beams that lift the roof. When it's in place, you have about six and a half feet of headroom upstairs. So for most people, enough to stand up and to move around. Uh, mm -hmm. There's storage up there as well. It also creates uh, privacy between the two spaces upstairs and downstairs. So um, you can have you know, space from your partner or your kids or whatever it is. You can have a home office up there. Mm -hmm. um, having a little bit of, I think, compartmentalized spaces is really helpful for a lot of people, especially if you're living with others. And um, yeah, so what's really cool about it is that it, um, expands the square footage of the house without expanding the footprint of the house. So it's still possible to drive it on the roads. It's fully compliant with all the um, traffic DOT and NHTSA standards for mm. road use, uh, as well as, for instance, if you're, you're staying in an RV park or a campground that has uh, limitations on the length, uh, you're having more square footage, but you're only taking up that, uh, for this one, this model, um, like 8 by 21 uh, footprint. So hmm. it's a really, it's a unique thing. Um, not many other people have attempted it. It is quite a endeavor, uh, but I've gotten a really huge positive response about it. And it uh, looks like we're, we're set up to be the first, if not one of the first, if not the first uh, tiny house company to offer this on a larger scale uh, to be able to have that two story. So we're, we'll ho hopefully we'll create a trend. Hopefully uh, awesome. it becomes a norm for, for uh, that to be included because you know, I've, that's that's one of the big draws for a lot of people. They're they're loving tiny houses. They think they're adorable. It's the perfect solution. They're just not okay with the three foot loft to sleep in. So yeah, we're uh, excited to provide that solution and make it a uh, available option for a bigger a, a bigger group of people. People. That's awesome. So one of the uh, one of the things you mentioned is uh, your frame is uh, aluminum slash steel. Um, one of the huge issues now with uh, house building is the cost of lumber. Um, mm, yeah, uh, huge. Do you see that as uh, significantly affecting what you're doing? Uh, the cost of lumber going up because it's something actually that I really don't see it uh, moderating anytime soon. Mm. Yeah, I 
don't imagine that's going to affect us, fortunately. And that's, that's a huge benefit to us. Um, I'm not sure how other tiny house builders are dealing with that, yeah. considering I believe it's been multiplied by like five times the, the cost of lumber. So I don't know how they're managing those costs. Um, fortunately for us, we are really not using any wood products. I think there might be a little bit of composite wood in like the cabinetry, but the main structure is all made out of metal. And a cool thing about that too, is that, you know, one of our big goals is, um, sustainability and making a really sustainable product with a, a low impact and with using metal products and, um, some plastic products that allows us it allows our supply chain to be open to alternative uh, recycled materials. So, um, you know, eventually finding suppliers that can provide recycled metals and then stuff that's not used can then also be recycled uh, along with alternative plastics and fibers, hemp plastics, for instance, or recycled ocean plastics. So we have all this in sight as we continue to grow to find ways to ensure all of our materials are as sustainable as possible. It's a lot harder to do with wood because it deteriorates and it is a finite resource. So that's kind of has always been in our minds with, you know, using these materials not only provides a, you know, the, the feature of it being more lightweight, quite a bit lighter than other tiny houses, uh, but also that there's a avenue to making it very sustainable using all those alternative recycled materials, which is a, is a big goal for me personally and for the company. Yeah, so I mean, I'm excited you, to see where that takes us. Yeah, I mean, you see the, the uh, deterioration uh, of what happens with like mobile homes, uh, stick right. with mobile homes and the uh, lack of ability to really stand up to uh, a long lifespan. What do you expect the mm -hmm. uh, lifespan of your units to be? I, we are building them to be lifelong homes for people. So um, they're designed to last a lifetime. We will be offering warranties on them as well. Um, you know, one, three, five, 10 year warranties. And yeah, I mean, I, I, we, we do expect them to, to be long-term homes for, for people to live in. They're, you, uh, they're really built quite, they're, they're quite solid. <laughs> are you incorporating uh, solar into them and uh, like net zero type of um, technologies? Yeah. Yeah. So we will be providing a few different off-grid packages, uh, still working out the details because there's, there's a lot that's involved with going off-grid and to what degree you're trying to go off-grid and what can be used in different degrees. So um so the components of those would be solar, which includes the battery and the inverter, um, as well as most times you need to also have propane uh, to use to, to power the water heaters and like an oven. So it's a combination of solar and propane, uh, as well as we have a, an integrated uh, water recycling system. So it lessens your dependence on the city water supply uses UV filters to, um, so you can reuse the water that's used in your, your sink and your shower and the, the dishwasher uh, and use that again. And uh, as well as a, a sustainable waste system as well. So that either would include a composting toilet or an incinerating toilet. Um, of course, a lot of the tiny houses people are purchasing to go on a personal property as an ADU, like I was speaking about earlier, those do require full hookups mm -hmm. to the utilities. So in those cases, we have made it so that the tiny house can be connected to water, power, sewage. 
Uh, but for those people that are kind of boondocking or traveling, staying at RV, RV parks, or eventually when uh, being off-grid is a little bit more acceptable, <laughs> uh, especially in places that are not super rural and, you know, no cell service. Mm. When that becomes more available, that people will have the option to, to uh, outfit their home to operate off-grid and be totally self-sustained. Very cool. Very cool. What, um, could you sub out the, uh, the gas component to do solar water heater or um, like electric stove? Yeah, so that's actually our first model is not gonna have any gas. It's fully electric. Uh, the issue is with that is that the roof space available on the tiny house is limited because it's tiny. Um, and so the amount of solar panels you can put on with the current technology that you know, um, PV panels have is not enough to power everything you would need. Mm. So if someone is going to be long term on a property and they've, you know, established their place, you, they could set up a, you know, a ground mount system. In that mm. case, everything can be electric. But what we found with the current technology is that it's, uh, it's not enough power to do everything. If you're planning to have, you know, the hot water and the oven and the dish, you know, all the components. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're yeah. willing to kind of be in a more camping um, environment, then I'm sure you could manage off of a smaller solar system. But yeah, yeah. If you're, if it's full time and you want all the amenities, you either need to have a, a ground mount system to have more panels or wait until the panels get more productive or also include gas. So there's a few options. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, how do you how do you see um, tiny homes evolving over the next couple of years? Like, what are your thoughts on kind of where things are headed? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about where things are headed. I think that we are in a really great spot. We're entering the market at a time when things are growing pretty rapidly. Um, I mean, tiny houses have become, they've been around for, you know, 10 plus years, if not more. However, it's only been in the last few years that they've become popularized. Um, shows like HGTV, Tiny House Nation, uh, they have made them a lot more popular. Uh, there's been a number of different tiny house communities uh, being set up in different areas. I know there's a few in Colorado and in Oregon. So, I do foresee that it's going to become much more the norm than it is now. It's already becoming the norm. I mean, the fact that big cities like LA are accepting movable tiny houses on wheels as ADUs is a huge step. Mm. And the next step is to create um, standards that are specific to tiny houses, because right now um, tiny houses adhere to RV standards. And although it's similar, there's you know, quite a few distinctions between the two. And, you know, we're, we're kind of in between the modular manufactured homes and the RVs. And so there are people right now that are working actively on changing those laws, creating new standards, while also enacting these new ordinances all around the country. And then in the next five plus years, looking at actually creating new ordinances that allow tiny houses to be placed on a property without needing a full-size house. Because right now, they, in most places, most like 
populated urban places, it has to have a, a full-size house on the same property to be legal. Um, but you know what a lot of people really want is just to be able to buy a tiny house, buy a small plot of land, put it there, done. Yeah. I know many people really want that. And so what we've seen is it go from this really, really niche market, you know, 10 plus years ago to it being this kind of trendy topic that's on TV and people think it's really cute to now where there's still a housing crisis, housing prices are going up. Uh, there's not a whole lot of land available and all of a sudden tiny houses are not just this cute trend. They are a viable solution for improving the lives of many, helping people to get out of debt, helping people to have a place that they own and live. Mm. Um, and as we see these laws changing, it's just building that, that momentum. The momentum is building every tiny house show that I've been to. There are thousands of people, tens of thousands of people that come and are interested and they, they want one, they want to set it up. I mean, it can be used also for investment, uh, like an investment property, it can be used for you know, family members, it can be your, your primary house. There's so many different uses and it's so versatile that I think that there's no way that it cannot become the norm. Uh, it's just a matter of changing those laws, which of course there's a lot of red tape. Um, it's gonna take a lot of work, but given the, the breadth of the solution, the, the, how impactful that solution can be, and where we've already seen that progress moving towards, I think that in the next five years, we're going to see so many more of these pop up all around the country. And we're going to see the laws changing to be more friendly. Um, and at the same time, it's, it's, it's going to alleviate a lot of pain and stress for a lot of people. And uh, I'm really excited to see, to see that happen and, and to see that movement change. It's uh, definitely headed in that direction. And so it's exciting for us to be kind of at the uh, at the forefront of that and to be entering the market at this time, this really exciting time. That's awesome. Um, so if people want to reach out to you and learn more about uh, what you're doing and learn more about uh, the product and stuff, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my business email is aria at wilderwise.com, A-R-Y-A at W-I-L-D-E-R-W-I-S-E.com. That's our website as well, is wilderwise.com. We're also running an equity crowdfunding campaign. You can learn more about that on our website and just more about the product. Um, we have social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can search at Wilderwise Homes. And we're active on there right now, showing the progress with our build and just kind of giving an inside scoop on what it takes to be a uh, vehicle manufacturer, you know, all the different laws and rules and what it's like to, to be building something from scratch and learning along the way. And it's, uh, so our journey is, is showcased and we really welcome people to join it and be a part of it um, because that's one of our core values is community and really bringing people together. Uh, it's important to me. It's, it's inherent really in the tiny house movement in general, uh, but for us in particular, we're really, um, want that community to grow and for people to be able to support one another and, and find the lifestyle that really suits them and really uh, makes an impact on their lives and the lives of other people. So that's awesome. Um, join us. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, you know, hopefully when there's a uh, tiny home show around uh, the Philadelphia area, we can uh, get together and grab a beer. 
but yeah, uh, would love congratu to. congratulations on the work and, uh, you know, let's stay in touch. All right. Sounds good. Thank, Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon.